Hey everybody, welcome to Sporting Dog Talk. I'm your host, Tony Peterson. Today's episode is brought to you by Purina. I've been giving my little lab puppy uh, Fortiflora, which is a probiotic uh, that helps her gut health, her gut microbiome. Uh, it's really an interesting product. Great if you're taking your dog on the road and there might be a little stress involved or any type of situation in life where your dog is a little stressed out, a little anxious. Uh, Fortiflora is a great additive to their food to shore up things in their gut. And they've also got a whole line of food. I've, I've fed my uh, my older lab, ProPlan Sport, chicken and rice, 30-20 for a long time, ever since she was not a puppy. And I'm feeding my puppy uh, ProPlan Sport puppy formula as well. They have great stuff. Check them out. Uh, we are also brought to you by Lucky Duck. My puppy isn't quite there yet, but she will soon be living in a Lucky Duck intermediate kennel. I love these things. They are super rugged. They're lightweight. I love the way they latch. I love the way they lock. Um, everything about them just won me over. They have Lucky Duck has two Lucky kennels. They have an intermediate and a large now. They've got some. They've got some cool stuff that you can buy to throw in there, like a fan uh, to keep them cool. They've got a, a kennel pad, and of course, they have tons of decoys and duck hunting products that you might want to check out blinds all that stuff go to luckyduck.com look at their offerings really quality stuff there and we are also brought to you by canine athlete canine athlete has three different supplements out there hydrate and recover which we've talked about on here a lot is a great thing to keep your dogs hydrated especially in the early season maybe you're going out to chase some sharpies in the sand hills in nebraska or somewhere else you've got new dog a three-in-one supplement that's just a general uh, kind of a maintenance quality of life boost and they do have a new pro daily probiotic for digestive and immune health um, another great option if you want to shore up your dog's gut microbiome help out their immune system go to wildernessathlete.com which is the parent company for canine athlete and check out those offerings check out any of their human stuff they've got vitamins they got you know, pre-workout, post-workout, all that stuff. Anything you like that you want to buy, use the code SDT20 and they're going to give you 20% off your first order. My guest today is my old friend, Tina Dockin. I just had, uh, my, my daughter and I just had dinner with the Dockins the other night. We got to get, and we said we got to get back on and uh, do an episode. So Tina said she wanted to interview me again. We did this, I don't know, maybe last year, year and a half ago. And I had, I had, serious reservations about doing it but it went okay and she said I really want to I want to ask you questions about this puppy and your process of going through there and so that's what we did in this episode but we also went all over the place and so we talked about my experience with this puppy that I've got and, you know Tina's got a puppy coming here shortly and a lot of it was is is all about what do you do with a puppy how do you set goals how do you train where do you where where do you go when you run into some frustrating issues, uh, and it's always so much fun to talk to Tina. Uh, Tom and Tina are two of my favorite people in the world, and I just have a blast with either one of them or both of them. And today, Tina was on, and it was so much fun, so I think you're really going to enjoy this. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting Sporting Dog Talk. We really appreciate it. Come here, bear. Hunt dead, bear. Hunt dead. That dog is family do something with a dog it, it improves your overall quality of life but girl Tina how are you doing I am doing great Tony how are you 
I'm good. It's it's nice to be talking to the most famous Dokken out there. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Second famous, Not even probably. Close. <laughs> the wife of the first famous. So silver medal anyway. Uh it I, I we had a little bit of uh we've we've been technologically cursed with this podcast lately and it's getting kind of frustrating and we had some issues, but I think we're gonna be okay now after we <laughs> we we troubleshot our way through a whole bunch of computer stuff to get this thing going. But it, it does it sound good on your end? Do you think we're it, do you think we're set up? It sounds great and it was all my fault. These new computers, you know, they uh, become a little bit difficult to try to maneuver. They they can be. So let's talk. We we just got together. Uh you got you and Tom were down for the game fair and we got together and you spent some time with one of my daughters and you put her on the task to name your dog, but it doesn't seem like it's going very well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. It's really hard to pick a puppy name. I mean, I Sassy took me three months. And Tom finally said, Tina, I need to name this puppy in the Gundog Magazine video that we are filming tomorrow. So please give me a name. So I just settled on Sassy. So yes, I've been asking as many people as I can, including your daughter, because I know how much she loves dogs and into it. So I thought, oh, she'll come up with a name. I've even thought of naming my puppy Jojo. Well, so. she's, she has leaned hard into Stormy. She thinks a little puppy named Stormy would be adorable. And, and that's not a bad one because I've, I'm, I'm looking at Sunny too as well. You know, my little ray of sunshine. So, I, yes, both of them are, are good, good South Dakota names, Stormy <laughs> and Sunny. <laughs> we uh, wanted I've, Stormy I've, and we wanted Sunny. I've met some Sunnies and they were all yellow labs though. <laughs> See, you just blew it again. See, every time I come up with something like Tom, oh, I don't like Jade. I've trained too many Jades. He's like a school teacher. You can't come up with a name because then the teacher, and me too. I mean, oh yeah, I didn't like that student very well. They weren't very nice to me. So it's hard coming up with a name for me. It's it's weird when you have a negative association with a student you had a long time ago and you can't name a dog that now. We're such weird <laughs> creatures. I know we are, for sure. So I have to tell you, when we were when we were driving back after going out to dinner the other night, uh, my daughter was like, "I just I didn't know how much I was gonna like Tina." <laughs> She's like, "I'm surprised how much I really liked her," and I was like, "Well, why wouldn't you think you like they? You know, I always think that they remember because they've met you guys before, but right. you know, they don't remember being at the game fair three years ago." And I was like, "Well, why wouldn't you think you wouldn't like them?" And she's like, well, I don't, I don't know. She's like, I just didn't know I'd like her as much as I did. So you, you won her over. Oh, that's good. I remember, uh, I remember when you told me, dad, I know you're going to get in these long winded conversations. Just make sure they have a dog so yeah. I can deal with it. That was my favorite comment of the day, but yeah. And I failed yeah. miserably I, <laughs> and it, it cost me if my wife could see what I fed my daughter at the game fair to keep her pacified while I was in conversations <laughs> with random people she would be appalled because there was a lot oh. of uh, snow cones and ice cream cones and things like that but it was it was a good time that that show is it's just such a neat event yeah it really is i kept her occupied though at the at the dinner table with the video of all my chocolate the chocolate lab so she could try to pick out a puppy but or puppy name but yeah but i can see where she would be a little bit bored kind of walking around there because i'm sure he had a lot of people to talk to yeah it that, you know, that show, there's a lot of people there I know. And so that, that happens. And it's a lot of the, you know, you know how it is. You get industry friends you don't see very often. I mean, you might see right. them once a year and it's kind of like, you, you know, you got to have a good conversation with them because it's not going to happen again. 
And I, but I get where they get ticked off because I talk to a lot of people and, you know, we'll randomly be at Cabela's and somebody who's, who knows my outdoor news columns or something will start talking to me and you can just see them just like they're at the stage where they're really rolling their eyes a lot. And oh, the glazed over look. Yeah. 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 Or the rolling the eyes. I always called my students out on that. Oh, I saw that eye roll. It was a good one. It was like a full eye circle <laughs> roll. So yeah. I always make sure they know I saw it. <laughs> yeah. But I can under I can feel her pain, I'm sure. Oh, well, I'm when you I'm sure when you're walking around with Tom, you know, the the million <laughs> questions he gets and everybody wants to talk to him at the show. I'm sure it's kind of a similar thing sometimes, but yeah, she she had a ton of fun. She got to love she just loved getting to, you know, play with your dogs a little bit outside the hotel and and getting to meet Sky and she thought she she really really just loves being around dogs. Yeah, she she does. I I, I thought that was kind of cool when she got to meet Sky, and then instantly you guys both know. Or she said instantly, "Oh my gosh, our dog pees with three <laughs> legs, only two. So then I kind of knew at that point I was pretty excited about. Yes, I got the right puppy for. I got a Sky puppy for you because I'll let you tell the story. But for you, we've I've had to find a lot of puppies. Well, Tom put me in charge of you know researching for a lot of our friends in the last year. And I think finding a puppy for you, for me was the easiest because I knew exactly what kind of dog you wanted, the sky dog. And when you were out here filming her and you just fell in love with her. So I knew exactly where to find a sky type puppy. So I'll let you talk about. Yeah, it just, it worked out well. And I love, I've never had a dog where I could see other dogs from the same line and just see those those genetics expressing themselves and man this little puppy she's just turning into what i was looking for so it's it's really cool to get to see the older version and right, and know right. like that's what i fell in love with and this puppy is she and she's really at this age now at about four and a half months she's like really coming into it as far as you know you see the retrieving desire and some of the work she's doing and you know she's doing a lot of water work now which is super awesome you just get to see that she she did become what i hope you know and what you hope she'd become or she's becoming i should say well let's let's talk about that cuz i want to start from the beginning but first i should tell everybody that sky um originally was uh uh, Tiffany's mom, Linda, Profan's puppy. And then when Linda passed away, Skye became Tiffany and Lee Lukowski's puppy. So that's kind of where it all started, where you got the idea, this, this is the kind of puppy I want. And you yep. filmed her and just fell in love with her. Um, um, so you said Sadie. So so we found a Skye-type puppy, same mom. And Sadie is how old right now? You said four and a half months? Yep. Okay. So... I got it. I'm curious, but how, um, why did you decide like right now I want to get another puppy? Like, cause, cause your other dog Luna is only seven and a half months. I think she's eight years. She's, she turned eight. Okay. Yep. So why did you decide you told us I need, I need a new puppy in about a year. So what, why did, why were you thinking down those lines? I need one in a year. Um, you know, the short answer is I, I'm looking at this like it's a two-year commitment to get this dog trained and exposed to the things I want before you kind of slip into that a little bit easier life with them where they're more on autopilot. 
And just looking at Luna last year, it was the first year of pheasant hunting and, and some other hunting where I kind of felt like I had to pump the brakes once in a while and just give her more recovery time. Okay. And, and so I actually kind of kicked it around uh, to get one when Luna was seven and it just, it didn't feel as necessary. Like I was like, I feel like I still got some time and it felt a little bit more like I might get divorced if I did it then. <laughs> <laughs> and so I laid the groundwork for this thing for a long time with my wife and I wanted to get, cause I knew, you know, Tom found Luna for me and yeah. I knew that that was kind of an impulsive thing. Cause we had to put locks down and even then it, it took a while. I mean, it was months of, sure. you know, maybe this is your dog, maybe this is your dog. And so I just like, I just, I didn't want to get into a situation where I was like, I have to get a dog now. Like I wanted the luxury of time. And, but I also knew like, okay, by the time this, this pup kind of gets where I feel like I should have her that, you know, Luna's going to be 10. And so, you know, know. Her, her pheasant hunting, her grouse hunting is going to be short lived stuff. She, uh, hopefully she'll be duck hunting hard still. Cause that's a different kind of physical thing, but sure. just, you know, I didn't want to get in that bind. That's a, you know, I'm sure tons of people listening to this have had that experience where for whatever reason, it's like, man, I don't have a dog and you know, it's five months till hunting season. Like, what do I do? And right. you know, we, you, you guys know better than anyone that like making an impulsive decision on that is, is a great way to have it backfire. Well, we have the same thoughts. We always want to start a puppy when our older dog is eight. Why I'm getting a puppy now when my dog is 10 and a half. Um, I, I procrastinated heavy and hard on that. So yeah, I'm actually getting my puppy at the end of September, but you're right. It, it, you need a couple of years to develop that puppy. And you don't know how long you're going to have with your older dog. I mean, you just don't know. Uh, so what did your wife think? Speaking of which. My wife uh, <laughs> now think. Yeah. I, well, I, what did she think then when you first got her? Oh, she was pissed. I mean, <laughs> it, I don't know. I don't know how to do that any differently. I She was like so surprised that I got this puppy. I'm like, honey, I've been telling you for yep. a year you and you know when i send in the deposit and like when i'm like okay we're picking this dog up on this date i still think she was like ah you know this is a bluff this okay. isn't gonna happen and right. then you know she rode with me down to get the puppy and you know she did you know it, it's hard to be super cold-hearted and mean when you're looking at a little eight-week-old puppy and so she started to soften a little bit right away but the first thing that happened is sadie just kind of ran over and lay down and put her chin on Rachel's foot or on her, on her shoe and like yeah. looked up at her and this puppy, I know I'm biased, but this puppy has like adorable eyes. She has like big brown <laughs> eyes. And so she lays down and looks and you see the white around her eyes and it's, it's so cute. And I was like, this is over. And uh, yeah, for whatever on. reason, this dog just loves her. Like it's like, she, she cannot get enough of my wife. And I'm like, to, to the point where I'm like, God damn it. Like I'm the one that paid for you, took you to the vet. I do all your training. I buy all your food. I put in like 97% of the effort. My wife takes her for a walk at night and she's like, this is the one, this is my favorite person. <laughs> it's mom. That's why. How did you pick the name Sadie? Who, who helped you with that? Uh, that was just on our short list. And we did a, you know, last time with Luna, that wasn't on my list at all. I didn't want a dog named Luna and somehow I got it. And I still, I must have a little PTSD because I don't really remember how it happened. I just know that all of a sudden I had that dog and it was named Luna. Lady. Oh, but, Luna. Yeah. 
Sadie, we, she was just on our short list and we voted on it and you know, it was a democracy in the, in the household and that's the one that came out on top. So how did you go about introducing Sadie to Luna? Uh, well, I talked to your hubby and he said, you know, <laughs> neutral environment, um, you know, just get a, give them a chance to meet each other a little bit. And so we, we just, when we came home, um, I can't remember exactly how we did it. I think I dropped my wife off and then I took Sadie to the park and then I had my wife bring Sadie or bring Luna out and we okay. just introduced them there. And it, I think that that's like a real inexact science. Like, I don't know You're right. if there's a way to get a dog introduced to a, to a puppy that that dog's not going to be like, oh man, this sucks. Like, I just, I think that there's just a, like a, a new equilibrium that you have to find and the dog just kind of has to get used to it. And I, I really think I didn't see a positive change in Luna until the first time I took her out to train and do some retrieves in the water. And we had that puppy with, and it was almost like, she was like, oh, okay, I still get to do this. Like, okay. Oh. And I, and then ever since then, I mean, I, I worked them together. Now I work them separately a lot because that puppy's really distractible. And so I do, you know, I, I try to split them up a lot, but I think Luna, you know, like her, her motivation in life is to go get something and bring it back to you. And I really think when she was like, oh, I like maybe in her little dog brain, she was like, maybe I don't get to retrieve anymore or hunt anymore. Mm -hmm. And then when she saw that, she was like, okay, I guess I can live with this. So um, I've actually been working with a lot of friends who've had this puppies this past year. And one thing I noticed is, is potty training is different in every house because of the way the dog reacts. So what, what's been your experience and is it different than Luna's? I mean, every dog's different, of course, but I'd just be curious what, how you did that in your, in your house. Um, potty training with this puppy was tougher because it was so freaking hot. And, you know, normally you'd kind of cut off their water at a certain point and try to get them to sleep longer at night. Right. And I just didn't feel, uh, I just like, I'm like, I can't, it's too hot. I can't cut off her water. And so she was, she was drinking later into the night. And so, you know, with her little bladder, she was just getting up more, but she got, she was potty trained pretty well, pretty quickly. And then she got a bladder infection or a UTI and then, you know, it went right in reverse. And then, you know, we got her on a round of, uh, antibiotics. And then when that cleared up, she just went right back to being potty trained again. And all of this kind of coincided with her getting bigger and more used to sleeping all night and all that stuff. But it, so where did you keep like the crate? I mean, like, cause give people a visual of what that looks like. Cause it, it, you really, people didn't really understand what to do with the crate, where to put it. Do you put it at the end of the bed so they can see you evenly, or do you put it on the bed so they can see you? Or what'd you do with that? I, I put crate. the crate in the living room. Okay. And how far from your bedroom? Um, I mean, not that far. I, you know, I have, I don't, I don't know why this, I, I, I don't know if this makes sense to people or not, but you know, I used to be able to sleep through a lot of stuff and then we had two babies at the same time. And now I hear something in, at night and I just wake up. Okay. And so I'll hear Sadie, you know, as soon as she starts to whine or as soon as she barks, then I'm up. And 
I didn't want, because my, my wife and I are on different schedules, I didn't want that dog in our room uh, waking her up if it was only going to wake me up. Because sure. it was, you know, it's kind of my responsibility. And so I knew I, w- I wasn't going to miss anything if she was out there. And I could just sneak out the door, close the door, and then go take care of the dog and not wake anybody else up in my house. So first night, put her in the crate. Did she howl? How long? I'm just curious. She didn't really howl hardly at all. And okay. we we actually, this is probably a bad idea, but when we picked her up, we went right up north to our little place on the lake. And so the first night she was with us, she was actually in the living room of our little cabin up there. And that's where she slept the first couple nights. Yeah, I think I think we were only up there for two nights, and then we came home to our house. And so, probably to get a dog comfortable or a, a new puppy in a new situation comfortable sleeping, that's probably not the way to do it. But that was, you know, like that's our life. That dog has to get used to being up there too. And so that might have, oh well, probably for sure, just affected how long it took her to get used to sleeping all night long because she was in two different environments. Sure. And we always say rule of thumbs, four hours, set your alarm clock, four hours and let them out. Did you have to do the four hour thing or did she sleep through the night the first couple of times? She, she faked us out. She slept through the <laughs> night early right away. And then that was bullshit. She came back around. She's like, nah, we're getting up, bro. Like, <laughs> don't you worry. That was, that was a head fake. Uh, well, the so, four hour deal, like every three, four hours she was getting up then. Yeah. But that didn't, that okay. didn't last very long, Okay, you know, and it was, but that's, I don't know. You, you forget what you go through with them, you know, like I you forgot, do. I forgot about the little things like the, the bladder infection or, you know, getting their eye and inf- eye infections when they're running through the grass for the first time. And how the, do you know, how did you know it was a bladder infection? Like, what do you look for? This would be really good for people to here and what to look for. So I had the way that I, I had strong suspicions. So she was potty trained really pretty consistently, pretty well. And then she started having accidents and Uh she was young enough where you're like, I don't know, maybe it was just an accident. And the problem was I wasn't, she wasn't in my care when she was having these accidents. And so I'd be like working and then I'd hear the girls yell at her upstairs my god god damn it guys like you gotta gotta let her out but i didn't you know like you don't know but it started to happen a little more frequently and i'm going okay and then you start paying attention it's like she's peeing a lot and then like the i pretty much had my mind made up i'm like okay i gotta take her in and i think i'd actually even made an appointment for her and then we were having like a birthday barbecue for one of my wife's relatives here and Mm -hmm. my wife was complaining about how the dog keeps peeing on the floor and I, literally in front of like 25 people, I was like, she seems to only do that when she's in your guys' control. What's up with that? And literally that dog walked over and started peeing on the floor in front of everybody. And I was like, God <laughs> And so I'm yeah, like- so you knew. Yeah, I just knew. And it was like perfect timing for her to make me look like an idiot. Uh, but I took her in the next day and they said, yeah, you know, like you, you collect the pee, bring it in, like, oh, a bunch of white blood cells in there. She's fighting something. And, you know, and it, that, that kind of stuff reminds you, I'm like, yeah, I remember dealing with this with my other puppies. Like it just, it's, you know, their sure. little immune system isn't really raring to go yet. And this stuff happens. It just happens. What? Okay. So did you buy anything different this time for the puppy this time around compared to what you bought for Lunar? And what, what are the things to not buy considering this is going to be a hunting dog? Well, uh, this, it's not so much what I bought. It's, 
I, I'm using Luna as sort of my template for what to do and what not to do. Like okay. there's thing there's things I knew I did with Luna, or I know now that I did with Luna that I don't want to do with Sadie. Or there's like what? Um placeboard stuff. I didn't I didn't emphasize placeboards with Luna when I mm-hmm. when she was really young. And I'm doing a lot of that with Sadie for steadiness. And I really feel I feel like she's way ahead of Luna on that right now. And but I'm also a little aware that I don't think that Sadie's retrieving desire right now is as strong as Luna's was right now, but I think that's because I'm doing more steadiness work with her. And I think I just kind of went bonsai with Luna and I really fed into that retrieving desire early. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to balance that. And then the other thing is I'm trying to get Sadie to not just be my dog as far as control like I'm trying to get the girls and my wife and we meet random strangers like at the canoe launch and I'm like, oh, you know, like they, they always want to pet the dog. I'm like, do you want to, you want to throw a retrieve for her? Let's see if she'll listen to you. Cause I want Sadie, you know, like Luna is mine. If, if other people try to control her, Luna's like, eh, I don't know. Nah, I'm not going to listen to you. And I can okay. see it. Like I can see her when she's going to break with my girls or somebody else. And I want Sadie to realize like if somebody's like, Hey, Here's your command. I want her just to go, I guess I just have to listen because I have to listen to everybody. Well, the hardest, you know, we talk about what to not buy. Um, the hardest thing for me, my first dog, I call it BT, before Tom, I bought every single squeaky toy that the pet store had. And and she knew, like, I'd tell her to go fetch the green monster and she knew where to find, you know, <laughs> she knew which toy was the green monster um, or the um, caterpillar, what have you. But yeah, Tom, when he told me that, he said, yeah, no squeaky toys. So um, you probably knew that, but for your listeners, you know, you don't want them mouthy when if they're going to be a hunting dog. Yeah, that's a tough one. And we, I didn't, I personally didn't buy my dog any squeaky toys. Everybody else did. And, you know, that was when, when, I don't remember how old she was, but she was young when Tom was like, listen, you got to get rid of all the stuff she's carrying around that she's not supposed to have. And I was like, this is going to be really hard. But we have a shelf in our living room where I keep some of the dog stuff. And there's like nine different squeaky toys there that she can't get to. (laughs) And I mean, I just, I go through the house five times a day and pick up stuff that Sadie's not supposed to have. And sure. all of it, is, you know, that, that whole idea is like, make it really special that, you know, like w- when they're supposed to pick up something, it's going to be awesome and you're not going to punish them. And you know, like, you're encouraging that that stuff's hard. Like that's, it, it is very hard. And when I used to go visit, you know, Linda and Tiffany and Lee, that always say to me, Tom doesn't have to know. <laughs> so, because so, they had like baskets of them. And it, it is a hard thing. And it's a hard thing for the trainer to undo later, too, when they get that mouthiness, you know, after training. So, probably after the intermediate training would be the best time to not bring those squeaky toys out again. Um, but, you know, in working with some of my friends this summer, too, um, we talk about what to, what to buy, what to not buy. And then they talk about the food. But then also, I've been telling them, make sure you get Fortiflora. Yeah. So we, we did that. Fortiflora is, you know, Purina makes it. It's a, it's a probiotic. And Sadie, I can't remember what exactly happened. Both Sadie and Luna got hit with diarrhea not that long ago. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I wasn't, they were up north with my wife and kids. I don't know if she, they got into something or what, but I called the vet on it. And that was the first thing they said is try Fortiflora. And it cle- it cleared that up in like. A day. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was Magic. nuts. And it, yeah. you know, we've been pushing that on here and obviously Purina is a sponsor, but that the gut health thing is huge. And that, you know, for people who are traveling with their dog the first time or getting in a stressful situation with them, you know, the first bird hunt where they're, you know, they're running at real high RPMs, that stuff is so important. And anybody who, you know, works out that listens to this, a runner, lifter, whatever, man, you, you start paying attention to probiotics and, you know, kombucha well, and some of the, some of those. days at home. I mean, it's a, it's a new environment and. Um, you know, I got to say four to floor, since you feed a puppy, I'm assuming you were feeding it three times a day. Um, you don't want to put four to floor on every single meal, no. um, which I, I should have explained that And my friend put it on every single meal and, and the puppy started, okay, I don't know if I like this food very much, but so that, yeah, one, one meal a day. And it was, it's amazing in 24 hours, it just straightens up their whole system. Yeah. Yeah. And it. We, we did it on the first feeding of the day and that was all it was. It was a once a day thing. Where but do you feed Sadie? We're feeding her pro plan puppy. It, or where, where do you feed oh, her? Oh, sorry. Um, okay. So I feed her in the living room, but I have a place board in there. Okay. And, and so I'm having her place and wait and then I'll, I'll set the food dish down on the other side of the room and then I'll walk away into the kitchen for a while or I'll walk down the hallway and I'm just, I'm building in some steadiness there. Um, okay. Eventually, I'll feed her downstairs. Uh, it'll be a different situation. But for right now, I want to be there. It, that that seems to work for us because I can I can build in some other lessons with it. So we, we feed our dog, I mean, puppies in the crate. So why did you choose not to go down that avenue? I started that way, but okay. she has no aversion to her crate. So I started that way okay, to great. get her crate trained. Yep. but. She doesn't even, you know, you tell her to kennel up. She just, there's no aversion to it whatsoever. So I kind of felt like we got past that. And then I started feeding her where I could watch her and where I could place her. And okay. just, I just changed it. But I yeah. did, I did start that way. From, from a hunting standpoint, when you're traveling like that, if you've got to feed your dog in the crate, obviously you want to make sure um, that they like being in the crate to begin with, because obviously that's where they're going to sleep to begin with. But, but if you're on the road hunting wise, that's where you're going to feed them if you need to, you know, if you're yep. stuck in between hotels, you know, between traveling and stuff like that. But so, and then we use it also as a steady drill too, as well, holding the puppy back for a couple of seconds, letting them relax before they go barreling into the crate and eating their food. Yeah. It's, it's important. I mean, I, I think so. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you what, I, I learned something when when I was down at your guys' place in Minnesota when uh way back when Lee and Tiffany picked up uh Tank as a puppy and you know they showed up and they wanted to go love that puppy up and Tom was like just just give it give it a little bit and let that dog let the dog settle down. I I've, I've been doing that with Sadie when she meets people cuz she's mm-hmm. she's nuts over people. She's like such a <clears throat> snuggler and she wants love, but you know, I'll see people coming up and I'll be like, just hold on. And I'll stand on the leash for like 30 seconds and her interaction with them. She's so much more mellow. If you just let that little wave of excitement pass, the, mm-hmm. the body language changes. It's like, 
it's a crazy easy thing to do that changes how those dogs behave around other people. Like, I mean, it's not a, a fix all for everything. You could still get her riled up, but it's such a, like a stark example of that, that behavioral change just by waiting just a little bit. Waiting a little bit till you introduce it to the stranger. So just like holding it. Yep. And- so I, what I do is I'll, I'll stand on the leash cause I'm still getting her to not jump, but I'm also just having her sit and wait. Sure. So sit and stay. And then I'll tell people just, just stand there. Just don't, don't acknowledge her, you know, don't, don't kneel down or anything like that yet. And you can kind of, it's, you can just watch her kind of relax and then it's like, okay, Good. you can pet her now. And then they go to her level and instead of just like pulling so hard on the leash and going nuts and like stretching way out, she lets them come to her and then kind of leans in for her, for her love. And it's, it's a different interaction. It's really cool. That's a great way. That's a great way to do it. What, what techniques, I think this is really important because I know I find that some people, when they get a puppy, they just want to constantly be throwing things for this lab or retrieving breed or what have you. So what techniques did you use to get this puppy retrieving and, and how often would you do it? Oh, this is a hard one. It is a hard one, I <laughs> man. Know. I, That's why I asked you. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's, That's why Tom asked you. This is Tom's yeah. question. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, and it, <laughs> the only reason I've, and it's not the only reason, but like three quarters of the reason that I try to do this the right way is because I don't want to be ashamed around Tom and have to be like, oh, actually, I threw it too much, and so I probably right now she's she retrieves hard like she hits the water hard she runs hard she overruns everything and but i'm doing like four or five in a session and, and then you stop yeah and it but it may be like i don't know probably four sessions a day i guess we would average and it's it's something I can tell that she's really loving and she would probably do more of it. Like, you know, Tom's always like, cut it off early, keep them wanting more. And it's so hard because it's fun. But I also know if we go do some obedience work at a soccer field or something, I'll start a session that way and then we'll end it with some retrieves because I know she loves them and she wants to be cut loose. But it's like, it's a real testament to your discipline when you have a puppy that wants to go and you know, you could keep throwing it and you're like, I'm not going to do it. I'm only going to give them just a little bit. It's, it's a lot harder. It probably doesn't sound that hard. It's hard in practice. But she's four and a half months old. You did not do even four times a day with a seven week old puppy. Like talk about that. So people understand what you should be doing. Man, I did. I, I don't remember when I did my first retrieves with her. She probably was, I could go back and look at those videos I sent Tom. She wasn't very old, maybe maybe nine weeks old, ten weeks old, with a sock in the hallway. Yeah, sock in the hallway, and that was like one or two a day. All right, explain why you use the hallway. uh, I used the hallway so she can't go anywhere else, and so I could film it for Tom, so he could tell me what I was doing (laughs) wrong. That's the the thing that Tom does with everybody now. I want proof that you are actually doing these drills, so I need to see a video. Yeah, and he's he's kind of a he he's a little pushy about that stuff. Like it it's scary because <laughs> when I when when I was struggling with getting Sadie in the water, he was you know like I and when it worked, I'd send him a video, and he'd be like, eh, "Is is her back end really off the bottom? Like is she really doing this?" 
And I'm like, yes. And he's like, more videos, more time. Keep going. <laughs> so like, talk about the first introduction to water. Like, what what did you do to try to get her in? Where were you? How did that go? Uh, I Well, I've, I've talked about this a lot on here. People are very aware of my water struggles with this dog. But <laughs> I, I made the mistake of I picked the perfect, I what I thought was the perfect spot. Hard bottom, gradual, warm water, calm. And she just wasn't ready, and she learned exactly how far to go that was her comfort zone. And I and I kept going there, and we just hit that wall. And, you know, talking to Tom, he's like, hey, find a new environment, find a new pond, change things up. And so she doesn't have that. She's she's not – she has no memory of it, you know, okay. and no or no safe space type of thing. And when I started doing that, that's when it broke open. And so my mistake was, I was like, this is, this is the perfect spot and it's going to happen here. And I really wasn't reading what that puppy was telling me, which is it's not going to happen here. Even though she had randomly a couple times taken some laps and kind of like giving you that glimmer, like she just did swim. It's still what she was mostly showing me was she's not going to swim here. She wasn't comfortable with yeah. the environment. And it, you know. It was crazy because as soon as she swam in the other pond or she swam in this pond that I took her to, I took her the next time, the, that day, back to that canoe landing and she swam there just fine. It was okay. just, she just had to get over it. And it, it was, I, th- I think the, oh, it was a really good lesson because I think we hear, uh, you know, pro trainers, you know, I have people on this podcast all the time that say, you know, this is how you do this. And like, that's, it's like definitely a part of it, right? Like if Tom tells you how to teach a dog to heal, sure. yeah, that's a good thing. But mm-hmm. you're also working with your individual dog, looking at it and that dog's telling you stuff too. So somebody might give you the perfect template to follow and your dog is saying it's not working for me. And so we fall in love with this idea or this method and then the puppy or the dog shows us something different and we don't know what to do because we're bought into the methodology and not taking into account this wild card of this individual animal with a personality in these various environments. And you just like kind of got to mix both of them. And I, I just did this. Like it's hard. It's easy to make a mistake there. It's like what I did. Well, once you think heal is heal, but introduction to water can, there's so many variations that you can introduce a puppy to water. And I have an older dog, Sassy, who is very good at helping a new puppy get into the water because she just goes in and wades in the water and they always want to follow the adult dogs. Sounds like you didn't use Luna, but we have that nice point that you've uh, photographed on and, and we just take our waders and we just walk around and, and, and the other dogs walk around and do some swimming. And that's kind of how we've, we've done it out here, but there's so many different ways you can introduce it to water, but it's got to be on their terms. Yep. Not our terms. Well, so I did use Luna and it didn't work. Okay. <laughs> and I and I waited in and it didn't work. <laughs> so I, I did thought Luna that. Did Luna not go she, in with you? Was that the deal? Yeah. She would just hit that wall. And I thought with Luna, I thought that was like my secret weapon because she wants to be with her so bad. Didn't sure. work. So it was, and that's why the things that you you would think work or would work yeah. there didn't. And yeah. so it was like, just keep. And and that's what makes professional trainers special as they go, they have a plan D and I didn't have a plan D. Well, every dog is different, you know, and, and that's why you've got to always have that game plan. What if you always got to prepare, what if they don't do this? What would I do next? 
and try, you know, try something new, but don't get frustrated because it's, it's not your fault. It's just the dog's telling you, uh, today it's not going to work. Let's try something different tomorrow. Um, but yeah, and in my case, Sassy loves the water, so she'll do anything she can to get in the water. And so it, it was helpful to introduce a couple puppies this summer to it. But, um, and, and this is a Tom question, but he said, obviously no two dogs are alike. Uh, what differences are there between Sadie and Luna that you see at this age at four and a half months old? Um, you know, like I said, I, I think that Luna's retrieving desire was, was stronger, but I think that might've just been because I allowed it to be, I'm, I'm not sure about that is like Luna is kind of aloof and Sadie is not Sadie is a freaking lover. Like she's, she's the snuggliest dog we've ever owned. My, my kids, my wife, they love that. Like Sadie is, she's like a sweet little golden retriever as far as how much love that she loves. And right. she's gotta be just on you if, if she can, like when I, when we were out working and I call her and, you know, say, come, she, she hits my shins at like 40 miles an hour and her butt <laughs> or, you know, her butt's on one shoe and her paws are on the other. I mean, it's like, she can't be close enough to you. And Luna's never been like that. Okay. Like Luna, Luna's a worker. Like she's like, I want, I she doesn't care if you I pet her. Talk to you today. Don't pet me. Just, I just want to work. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the way Tank was. I just want to work. Just yep. show me where I can work. So let's talk about when, when she was younger. What, what did Tom have you doing at seven weeks of age? Like what kind of commands did you use? Treats? Kind of walk through that. Cause we've, we've done a lot with, with our friends in the last year on that regards. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tom's into treat training. I, I firmly believe in it. I know some trainers aren't, but in the beginning though, he's not a treat trainer, like beyond the, what, four months, probably it's more praise than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the, I don't, I don't even know if he goes to four months. Um, well maybe with some dogs, I don't know, but just to, just to establish that eye contact and that reward and the working relationship, like I, I'm bought into that, and I, I, I probably gave up treat training with Sadie. Maybe, maybe at about three months. I think I only did it a month okay. with her, and that makes sense. I, maybe a little bit longer with my daughters because I had my daughters help me with that part a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't much past that. But just to get that dog looking into your eyes and going, okay, this is, this is what I'm working for. It well, talk was, about the commands that you use with the treats. I mean, because there's so many. I mean, they're just a sponge at that age, at seven weeks yep. old, eight weeks old. They just they want to they want to work for the food. Let's let's face it, they're food motivated. But talk about the commands that you were able to get in that first week of owning that puppy. Oh, we start. You know, obviously sit down. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if I did heal right away or not, but it was within the first couple of weeks. Come, of course, and that was the. I, this dog, I feel like the, the lesson that I learned from my last dog to this dog. And, you know, part of this comes from talking to Tom so much and, and other trainers too, was if you're going to make a mistake with a hunting dog, it's probably going to be on the recall and it's going to be on the steadiness. And I just, you know, getting a dog to sit with a handful of kibbles, not that hard, (laughs) you know, getting a dog to lay down. If it's, if it's a food motivated dog, that's not that hard place. You know, at Place. least the beginning. Place is another really good one that people 
explain where you're, you're going to use that way into the future. Uh, use it all the time, but it's a really easy setup with, you know, get a, get a handful of kibble and lead that puppy right up onto the place board and then reward them, you know, like right. to, you can set the, set that pretty, pretty early on with them. I mean, the first week type of stuff, but I just, all of that is, you know, you're, you're working on the basics, but you're setting like that foundation for the next the next steps. And I just, I see, you know, when I'm duck hunting with somebody or I'm upland, you know, pheasant hunting with my buddies and I see their dogs and like, I just firmly believe that steadiness and recall are, they're just ripe for getting them wrong or not seeing it all the way through. And those are just things that plague hunting you know, their problem the rest of your life if you don't get them taken care of right away. So I'm like really trying to do like, I want to shore those up with this dog so much. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's a huge thing to start all this stuff early. I think, I mean, even, uh, and Tom always says, you know, you do when they're a seven week old, eight week old puppy, you do things two times, then you're done um, the healing, I love the healing cause they just follow the treat. So they yep. just follow you into a sit. Um, have you, did you introduce in that first couple of weeks, the wing, like, and how did you do that? Um, I did, did bring those I, instincts I put it on a, uh, you know, a fishing rod and I had the girls help me and it was just a, I think, well, we did three. So we, you know, hold the puppy have that wing out there, start moving it a little bit, start reeling it in and let her go, chase it, catch it, praise her. Mm-hmm. And we did it ever because, because I wanted to do it and then my daughters wanted to do it. So we did three of them and then we didn't bring a wing out until Tom was like, I mean, that was part of the, the water introduction thing. He's like, okay, if she's hesitant is, is like her motivation a wing? Does she go nuts with the wing? And, and she does. And so I started, doing the the short water retrieves it didn't work with it on the fishing rod because of where i tried it but the other place that i went to if i would chuck a wing out there after getting her excited that's how she started swimming and so it became this tool that was like a crazy motivator for her and it, it was something that I, I i showed her right away and then took away and didn't bring it out till i really needed it and now i use i i kept tail feathers and wings off all the roosters I shot last year. Sure. So I have a lot of them and they're, I'm building those in with some hunt dead commands now too in the grass. And it's just a, it's a guaranteed way to fire her up and, and give her a, like a really good reward. And so when you feel like you need it, that's there instead of just, you know, like instead of doing it all the time, you know, I want to stress a couple of things you said though, is when they, when they finally get that, that, uh, they put that wing in their mouth and, and you, you praise them right away. You do not take that wing out of their mouth because yep. you want that to be a good thing that they have in their mouth. That was the one thing that when I first met Tom, it was really hard for me to get used to, um, that I wasn't supposed to say no if the dog was carrying the underwear because she was carrying something. So you're like, Oh, thank you so much for helping me around the house and picking up after me, you know? So don't constantly say no, no, no. If they're holding something, but so that you do that day one, you introduce that wing. When was the next time? Cause I think this is really important. When was the next time you brought that wing out? Cause Tom is very with me like, okay, now you're done for how long? 
Well, so it wasn't day one. It was it was pretty early. Well, not day one, but like this yeah. is your introduction to the wing day. Yeah. Then it was, when was the next time? There was probably a month in between there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I could go back and look. I have all this stuff photographed. I know I could find out exactly when it was, but it was, it was, again, it's one of those things that you want to keep doing because you see the excitement in the puppy and you're like, man, I want a hunting dog and this dog seems to love wings. I want to do more of this, but the discipline to, you know, to, to make that special and keep it away until you need it is yeah. it's worth it. It's just hard. It is hard. And, and you want to stop it when they want more, but he said, okay, you just brought the instincts out. My, my Tom would say, you just brought the instincts out. You're good for a while. Yep. Like you don't need to bring that wing out every single day. It was just, uh, moving it around. So the dog, like you using the fishing pole, sometimes if we don't have a fishing pole or the rod, I should say, you just want to move it around so the puppy will actually see, oh, it's going to get away if you don't grab it. And then they're starting to sniff it. Then you move it a little bit on the ground. Like, it's going to get away. You better grab it. And then once they grab it, then you're done. Like, you're done. Yep. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. Um, it's just you don't want to overkill that portion of it. You just brought the instinct out. You're good to go for a while. So I think that's important. He's drilled that into my head anyway. Yeah. And you don't want to disappoint him. So you follow his orders. I do. That's the one thing with Tom and I, I, I say, I say yes, dear to him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> or like today when we were out training, you know, something happened, didn't happen the way he wanted to. And I'd always go back to him and say, okay, what did I do wrong? So I'm always, you know, giving him the respect that, yep, this is your deal. You, you can tell me what to do. But this is the only times you can. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what do you think you are you're gonna do differently in the like let's well, let's talk about hunting first. Um, so you got the wing and stuff like that. What do you think you're gonna do different from a hunting standpoint for Sadie than you did Luna? Like what do you think you're gonna hunt first and how and we haven't even talked about firearms yet. I'm assuming you haven't introduced her to firearms yet. Nope. Uh, very, very, very soon though, that I'm going to start that process. Um, hunting wise, I don't know. I, my goal with her is to get her totally gun broke and comfortable, uh, before October one, because I just, I know the places I hunt in Wisconsin, I can get on that woodcock migration. And I like to, I like to start dogs on woodcock cause they're small and they're easy. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of benefits to it. And so my, my goal with her, I, I have a weird hunting schedule this year as far as all of my big game stuff for that side of things. It's pretty light. And I did that because I knew I was going to have a puppy this year and I wanted to have those that free time in October mm -hmm. because I've got, I've got some duck ponds that'll be really good for woodies and teal and small water stuff. And then... I've got lots of places, lots of chunks of public land. I know that those woodcock come through. And so I should, you know, provided that she's ready, it should be really easy to get her on, you know, at least a couple dozen wild birds in October this year. And that'll be before we ever hunt pheasants. I, I won't hunt pheasants with her until mid-November because of my schedule. But that that should be... I, I it, that's the plan. As as long as she shows me she's ready and the gunfire inter introduction, everything all that goes according to plan, that will be when she really gets into 
some birds. And so how are you going to do that? I mean, you're going to utilize your daughters for the bird and gone. I mean, we all know that you start out with birds the first couple of days, but yep. where, how are you going to do that? Yeah, my daughters will help. My One of my daughters will help. My other one, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't the, do what I'm assuming. Yeah, the one you, you hung out with will help. And they're, they're actually, I'm hoping they're going to help uh, duck hunt this year too. I want them to I want them to be my shooters the first couple times and I just want to handle that puppy and yep. I don't know if that's how that's going to shake out yet or not but I've got a blind I put up a blind on this little pond uh over in Wisconsin where I have permission to hunt that should be a really good scenario for having them pop a couple of woodies uh you know opener maybe second weekend of the season and I'm I won't shoot I'll just I'll just run the dog and that's that's what I'm priming them for. I don't know if that will 100% shake out that way, but I really hope it does. So you're going to, it's going to take you, what, a couple of weeks to do the bird and gun introduction. You're going to go through that whole process, yep. clapping and. Yeah, I'm, I'm already portion. doing some of that stuff, the, the kind of the precursor gunfire okay. stuff. Um, a lot of clapping, like banging okay. on the bowl, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, but I, you know, at, right now I've got basically five weeks to get this going and I don't have hardly any travel in there. So I've got, I've got a lot of good time with that dog before October. So explain the banging on the ball. Cause I've heard, I've heard good and bad in that, you know, and, and I've been taught like with Tom, when you walk these puppies in an environment that they're unsure and then all of a sudden a loud noise happens, like he's told me or taught me to just, Oh, good girl, good girl, you know, to yep. really make it a good thing. So what, what do you do with the banging on the pan to make, make it, that's a good thing. So this came from Tom. He told me to do this when, when I'm feeding her okay. before I put the food in her bowl, place her, you know, and then they're, they're locked in. Cause they're like, Oh God, he's going to go get some food oh, and okay. just bang on it a couple of times. And it's, it's an association thing, you know, like they're okay. like, okay, that loud noise means food. Food's good. It's Pavlovian, you know? Okay. So from a distance, I'm assuming not like right over the puppy's No, head. right in her ear <laughs> <laughs> as loud as I can. No. I, yeah. From a distance. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you can't assume that people know what you're talking about because I have seen people, you know, bang pans like right over their head. So, I mean, even the Fort of Flora, they thought they were supposed to give the Fort of Flora three times a day. So, you know, you got to really explain. I'm, I've, I've had questions like, is it normal for a dog to sneeze? Yes, it's very normal <laughs> for a dog to sneeze. So you can't assume that they, they know what you're So I'm trying to give everybody in your audience that visual. <laughs> it, so let me ask you this. When when yeah. somebody's like, hey, is it normal for a dog to sneeze in your head? <laughs> are you like, maybe you should have a cat <laughs> or no? You know, I think that they're trying so hard. They're, these are first time dog owners and they're trying so hard to do everything right. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back to one little thing too. Um, one thing that comes up a lot and people do not know how to do deal with a puppy, a seven, eight, eight week old puppy biting on you. They don't know how to deal with that. I mean, I just had explained that literally two days ago and, and, you know, curling there, I don't know how you deal with it, but we just put our hands on top of their snout and curl their lips under. So if they, you got to get control of them. So put them in your left hand, yep. left arm. And then just cur when they try to go after your hand, just curl their lip under and, and let them feel a little teeth on their lips. Hopefully they'll not hopefully, but they'll probably yelp a little bit. 
and and then they might go after your hand again, but it really only takes two or three times for that to stop. But people don't know how to deal with that. So, I had I had a first time. Well, they weren't first time, but it had been twelve years since I had a puppy, and they said me and my twelve year old daughter we just turned around and walked away from the puppy. So what did the puppy learn? Oh, I'm in control. I just won that fight. Yep. So that, I think that's important. Go ahead and talk a little bit about that. What you did? Did well, or did that happen at all? With oh, the, of course. I mean, it, and it, with me, you know, this this puppy is soft. And so a little bit of pressure on her jowl on her teeth is all you needed. Like it, it took me, I don't know, a minute and a half to get that through her head. Like you don't bite my hand. It took longer with my daughters. There was a more, more of a challenge there. But part of that is because my daughters project that lunatic energy and they just get her fired up. And so I'm sure. like, you know, and they're, they're just a different level. Like, I feel like puppies look at kids a little bit differently and they're like, I can maybe, I, I think I can kick this little one's ass. Like, I think they look <laughs> at it that way. <clears throat> and so you just have to set that precedent with everybody. And that's, you know, that's a pressure on pressure off thing. And it, you know, I, the people listening to this podcast, probably they, they're like, yeah, we know that. Like, but the general pet owning market uh, it seems like that's a big problem with people and they don't, they don't get on it right away and get it over with when it's only going to take you a minute or two or, you know, two or three little sessions and then it, it blooms into something nasty. Yeah, it, it's, um, I, that was the one thing that question I've had to answer a lot for people. Um, but they, pro they, they test everybody. They're going to test everybody who comes, you know, knocking at their door and, um, the same thing with the place command when, when they become an adult and you're coming in the door, I mean, they're going to test while well, they're going to jump. Let's talk about the jumping aspect that, you know, that they're going to jump on you and every single, even though you teach them, you do a little knee to the chest to know it's, you know, off, off, but the next person that comes in, they're going to try it on there. So it's almost like you got to educate every person that comes into your house, what, what your rules are. Yeah, that the jumping one sucks. <laughs> That's a hard one because it's you almost have to just tell you know when they come in, this is what you're going to do, this is what she's going to do, and this is what I need you to do. Yep, I actually I'm I'm thinking about trying that. So I, I'm I'm working with Sadie hard on that. Like I don't want her jumping, and she's doing good on it, but she's a puppy. And the other thing that I'm trying to work on is. You know, I, if she sees somebody, like if, if we open the door to let her out, we're going to go hook her up out in the yard. If she sees somebody, she wants to go. And I do not want her running out there. And I don't want her jumping on strangers. And I don't want her running into the road. And so I actually think I'm going to get some of my neighbors to to help me out with this and, and like walk by so I can train sure. for this better. You know? You have to. You have to train for all possibility. I think that's a great idea so that she knows not to do that. Yeah. it's And it's always – it. Ha it's so funny. I, I've got a buddy who's a wildlife photographer. Um, you guys I might actually know him. Do you know Bill Marshall? Mm, I don't, but Tom might. Tom might. He's, he, he's a really talented photographer up in central Minnesota. Shoots all kinds of cool stuff. Anyway, I was fishing with him one time and – we were talking about duck hunting and he said when he was, he was young, I think he was probably in high school. They hit, they, they wounded a duck and they paddled out there. They didn't have a dog with them. And he went to finish this duck off and shot it on the water. And one of his BBs skipped and hit a guy in the cheek. And, you know, like 
he shot him in the face, but it wasn't like a, you know, just like it, it was a random thing. But he right. said it's still so embarrassing because like sometimes he sees that guy like at the grocery store and he's like, oh, there's that guy I shot in the face when I was little. Like when Luna was little, she ran out at this woman who was jogging by her house and scared the shit out of her. Like just, and I, I felt so bad and I still see that woman and I still get ashamed like eight years later and I don't want to go through that again with Sadie. Like even though it's dumb, like it wasn't a big deal, but every time I see her and she, she still lives by us, I'm like, I, it makes me feel bad. And I'm like, I don't want to freaking go through that with Sadie. I'm like trying so hard to keep those kind of things from happening. Well, that's good. And you're, you're changing things that you did back then. So it, it, it you're right. You got it. And like even Tom, me getting this new puppy, Tom asked me, you know, what kinds of things do you want to be different this time around than with Sassy? Or what what more do you want out of Sassy that you didn't have out of Sassy with this new dog? So it's always checking and looking, trying to figure out what you want different. And and you got to <laughs> reinforce it too. That's my biggest problem. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that sometimes occasionally will give the command two or three times without no reinforcement. So that's something that <laughs> I need to work on quite a bit. You know, Tom always feels in dog training mode when the dogs are in the house. If we place them, they have to be there. So, yeah, the reinforcement is key for anything you're teaching your dog. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I, I don't want to out you guys, but... When I when I was out there a couple years ago, <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I think I do. And you guys were, you know, it was the end of the night. We'd shot a bunch of photos, videos, and whatever, just chilling. And you guys were eating popcorn on the couch, and you were throwing popcorn to your dogs. <laughs> it made me so happy to see the Dawkins throwing popcorn to their dogs. I'm like, this is what we do to Luna all the time. Like, if we make popcorn, she's like right on you, drooling, and like, oh, please give me more. And it it made me feel better to see that you guys also do that. I wish you could see what's written on my piece of paper right now. Popcorn night. <laughs> so I I know you think we're these perfect people with perfect dogs, but no. And and we liked we also do the pup cup, you know, when we go to Caribou Coffee, they get their pup cups and that I mean, they hound Tom in the morning. When you go to the car, when you go to the car, and they cannot wait to go get their pup cups. I know it's probably not the best thing for it, but it's just a little bit of whipped cream, so it's a little special treat for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know it. It was it was pretty funny. You were so nervous about that, but popcorn <laughs> night is a special night, and they all just sit there, and you know, you throw it. We're working on the retreats, you know, like uh -huh. you're throwing it so that they can catch it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Has she been around any duck decoys at all, Sadie? Um, I haven't done duck decoys with her yet because I'm, I feel like we just got through the real water. I mean, like, I feel like she's finally at a point where it's like there, I, I didn't want to bring those in before I was really comfortable with her in the water. Okay. And so what I'll do, cause we have, we have a pond in our backyard and that will start clearing out really, really soon. And I know it's super shallow on the one corner. And so I, I did decoy introduction there with Luna and it's a really good setting. Well, one, one thing that we've always done outside of our kennels or even out in the, in the yard, we'll just put decoys out there Yep. so they can just go and, you know, something new and they can explore it, but you don't even have to use it in the water, just getting them used to something that they're going to see out in the field anyway. Yeah, they, they'll, 
I'll, I'll do that at the soccer fields with the girls. We'll do some retrieves through the decoys, but sure. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it's a necessary thing. I'm not that worried about that part. Like I, sure. I, we, we have a good setup for that and I've never had a dog that was like, didn't get that pretty quick. As long as they had the good retrieving desire, they go, okay, these, yeah. are, this is not what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. You know, that's true. So, okay, so tell me what you're going to do when they get to nature, they're both hunting, or Sadie is hunting. Are you going to hunt them at the same time? That was always a struggle with me, pheasant hunting. Well, not wanting to take just one dog out. I mean, I know in the beginning, you'll just focus on Sadie. I get that. But yep. in the future, will you get to a point where you might hunt them at the same time? I Well, I have to. and. So I'm not sure that's probably the thing that has me most nervous now because I'm not sure how to go about that. And I I know I'm going to structure this early season stuff. So I take one dog, then the other, Yes. but I also do, we, we've, we've done it with a lot of my buddies' dogs, especially with the woodcock. And I've done it with pheasants a little bit too, is if Luna flushes a bird and you know, like a woodcock, you can flush a woodcock and let it go and watch it land. Sure. I've done that a lot with my buddies where I've had Luna flush them. We just don't shoot. And I call her back to heal. And then my buddy goes in with his puppy, flushes it and shoots it. And it's, I I don't know if I can pull that off by myself with two dogs, but I kind of hope I can figure it out somehow. I'm not sure. And then with pheasants, I've had it where if, if we're in a good cover and Luna doesn't see it fall, mm-hmm. cause she doesn't sit to flush. Like she, I want her to go get them. So I've, I've been able to call her back when we've shot birds and sometimes you can do it when she sees it. Just, it just depends. Um, and then send the other puppy in or the other dog in to go retrieve it. She hates it, but she'll do it. And so there, there's like some benefit potentially to hunting them together at some point, but I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous about that because it's just going to be kind of a logistical pain in the ass. And I, I just, I'm just going to have to figure it out. Well, Let's back up. You know, I probably should have said how important it is that you just go out with Sadie to begin with and making sure she has success and she's the only one getting the retrieve and maybe bringing along another, well, for waterfowl, bringing along somebody else who can shoot. But the importance of that dog seeing that duck fly and seeing and somebody else shoot and you telling that person, okay, shoot now because the dog's looking at the duck and then letting it land. But Talk about the importance of, of having that dog alone to begin with. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's just distraction. It's, it's ringing the most out of the, the situation while kind of like barricading yourself against the worst stuff that can happen. And I'm seeing that, you know, Tom, I, I talked about this the other day, but Tom mentioned this again with that, that nine month old pup, he's, he's working for his friend with the frog situation the other day. And he just knows like, that's a distractible dog. This, this puppy, she's just so distractible. And I know if I bring her out there with Luna, my control is going to be about 20% of what it should be. And the distraction factors through the roof and it's not going to do anyone any good. No, Luna and, probably won't come until way later. I just think of, you know, when I get adult dogs, you know, beyond two, my youngest would be beyond two before I'd consider even taking them out. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be important for Sadie to just be alone on her first couple of hunts. So she continues to have success in what she's doing. Yeah. It's I mean, hard. Well, it, it is hard. And I, I wonder though, 
you know, because I will eventually just have to take them together. And I might not do that till pheasant season, but, you know, it's three and a half hours for me to get to where I pheasant hunt. And it's just not a good situation to leave a dog behind, really. And so they're going to have to sort that out. But I kind of want to get them out there together anyway. So Luna corrects her and puts her in her place because Luna won't correct Sadie in everyday life. Other dogs have. Other dogs will put her in her place and show her, like, I don't want you jumping on me. Luna won't, but she will when we're hunting together. I know she will. And so I'm like, I kind of want to get that over with, but not to the point where I, <laughs> I want to just take them hunting together for that. Like, it's not that that juice isn't worth the squeeze, but I am excited for that part to happen because Sadie is a pain in the ass to that dog. And she hasn't really been told no by that dog yet. Yeah. Luna's being nice right now. Yeah. But she won't be when we go hunting. <laughs> No, the pheasant hunting is interesting because at least, at least they're both running around and she might not know what she's doing at Sadie might not know what she's doing at first. Uh, well, she'll, she'll probably know cause you'll take, you'll be the person that takes her out by herself to get, have those success. So she'll probably get an idea. Um, later on, she might want to follow around the adult dog, but then of course, when the pheasants start getting up and you start shooting them, I mean, she'll, she'll want to get that retrieve for sure. Yep. Um, were there different challenges like right now, you know, leading up to Sadie's age right now, do you think that there were different challenges at this point than there was for Luna or is it just more, you just saw things that you didn't want to happen with Luna. You just wanted to change that with Sadie. Uh, I don't, I, I, I'm working off of what. I know about Luna now. I have a terrible memory because I used to drink so much. So I don't really remember if Luna, I I don't remember her being very challenging in a lot of stuff. I know that's like, a, I know that's like a rose colored glasses thing because I know there were challenges, right? But it's kind of like you kind of forget, you know, we all look at our dogs like they're amazing and you forget all the bad stuff because when you get a dog to that autopilot mode and you're shooting lots of birds over her and she's, she's good, it's easy to forget the struggles. And so I'm not, I'm not focusing on those because I don't really remember them anyway. I'm, I'm looking at what, what do I wish was different about that dog now and how sure. do I get Sadie so I don't have those same issues. And, you know, like. But, and you've learned so much in, in your writing and you're dealing with dog trainers. You've probably learned so much more and that's probably why Sadie's further along than Luna, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. And I'm just more patient now. Like I'm. You know, I, when I had, when we got Luna, I was not, I, I wasn't as patient and as disciplined as I am now. I, I, I know, you know, this is, this is one of the, the messages we push on here a lot, like get around good trainers and get around good dogs because it motivates you to have a better product. And I've been, I've been so lucky to get to talk to so many good trainers and get to know you guys so well. And I've, I've been exposed to the upper level and it really make it like it, it just shows you and and when you get to hunt with a dog that you really love that does a good job you don't want to backslide like i'm I'm sure this little pupster you got coming here like you're like you're not hoping it's worse than your last dog you're like this i, ho I hope this dog's better than sassy you know like you want to you want to bring them to another level and just keep that relationship going in the right direction and exposure to people who are badass trainers and dogs that can crush it out there. It's just, it's like, man, it's a powerful motivator to just don't make these mistakes. Like just, just stick to the plan play that long game and, and develop a dog. That's going to be awesome. 
No, I'm thankful to have had uh, dealing with a lot of customers, one-time dog owners, first-time dog owners, because it's really refreshed my memory. Because let's face it, we don't get another puppy for 8 to 12 years. So, you know, in your defense, you do forget a lot of the things that you might have done early on that you wish you hadn't done. Um, but now we're more informed. We've got videos. We've got, you know, technology. We've we've got the Internet. I mean, and we've got friends that you can talk to and say, okay, I, I want to do this different. How can I do it better? And and I, it's fun to watch my husband because he changes things daily. And, and, and reading the dog, okay, she did this yesterday, so now we're going to do this today. And that's fun for me to be around because now I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a dog trainer, but I know enough to be dangerous. And just watching him um, work with the dog, depending on what they give him, it, it's just fun to see that. And being that I'm a teacher, I can relate. I mean, every student is different, and and they might not understand what you're trying to tell them, so you have to figure out a different way to explain it or show it. And normally, normally it's O-E. I always call it O-E, owner error. So it's it's not that your dog is stubborn they just might not understand what you're asking them to do talk talk some about that well you for sure i mean we we send them mixed messages but i want to ask you something i want to i want to turn okay. the tables here a second because uh -oh. um, <laughs> this this makes me think about something so people make these comments to me all the time like oh i don't have access to tom Dockin, so i don't know this i'm like yeah it's he's a he's a great resource to have. Like it's, it's awesome to be able to call him and ask him, but it's not like his information isn't out there. And it, it, what this makes me think of is it, when you got this little pupster ordered and she's, she's coming in October, right? Yes. Uh, no, September 22nd. Okay. And <laughs> end of September. Yeah. What, like, what's the breakdown for you, you and Tom, cause this is your dog. Like what's, what's okay. your breakdown for training? Cause I think it would be easy to assume that like, you know, if you're married to a guy like Tom Dockin, you just say, take my puppy and let me know when I can have this awesome finished product, but that's not, that's not how it's going to work. Like you're, you're you going to, I do, a, I do a lot of gut checking with him though. Cause I'm a, I, I want to do it right the first time. Cause it's a, it's a lot harder to undo a problem than to just do it right the first time. And, and, and yes, I'm fortunate to be married to a dog trainer so he can help me through that transition. Um, but, you know, before Tom, I, I would go out to game fair and I would go to every single dog seminar they had so that I could learn. I took my dog to classes, to um, gun dog training classes. I took my dog out hunting with other people. So I, I educated myself and tried to learn as much as I could um, and this was BT before Tom, um, but I, I'm I'm going to try really hard to focus on what the dog is wanting. Um, try to get through those first three or four days of not sleeping. I'm hoping this dog does a really good job sleeping through the night. But I I am going to be you know I, I have the the blessing of having Tom here to ask him on a daily basis. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Um, but fortunately, I've been around it so much, too, I have a really good idea of how I'm going to crate train and how I'm going to do the place command at this, you know, eight-week-old puppy and using treats to do the heel. And so I'm going to do all those basic commands. They're a sponge at that age. They just want to learn and they want to work for their own food. So for me, I know all the beginning things I'm going to do. It's going to be, 
you know, I told Tom, I want to go through, and I, I don't like this term force fetching. Um, so I like to say trained retrieve, but it's so important to have a trained retrieve. And I said, oh, great. I'm going to be here for the first time ever for my entire dog's training, intermediate training. And I want, I want to do it. And I want you to, I want you to walk me through it. And he says, Tina, you said you can't do your for, first force fetching on your dog. It's a timing thing. So I'll let you watch, do the timing, and then, then he'll give me the drills to do. So I, I think that that's important. So I, I give you a lot of credit. Like I, I'm amazed that you did Luna and you didn't, you didn't like get any, I mean, I don't know how you did the force fetching. I don't know how you did that on your own because I would be completely paranoid on doing it wrong. And now you, everybody, just for everybody to know, I mean, you're doing all of this on your own. Yes. You've talked to a lot of trainers. Yes. You, you know, you've read the books, seen the DVDs, but the bottom line is every dog is different. So what the book said might not work with your dog. So I, I give you a lot of credit for doing that because I'm just, you know, unfortunate that Tom's just going to take over that process. I will do all the work, but the timing thing for him is crucial. And he really wants this dog to be, um, what I want. I, I want a little more giddy up compared to what I had in Sassy. So I'm going to have to be able to handle this dog. I want, I wanted to do a better job at back, you know, going back in the duck blind and stuff like that. So, um, so I, I am going to listen to what he says, but I also, um, will reread his book probably. And, and, and fortunately I've been training with him the last 10 summers. And, and so it, that's helped me. And I ask a lot of questions and he always is out in the field too, saying, why did we do this? Why did we do that? So he's been challenging me, challenging me a lot and, and trying to help educate me in hopes that, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it that way to, that will best suit the dog. Like what, you know, what, how will the dog best learn? And, and so I, I've learned a lot from him. I don't know if that answered your question, but it sure was a long winded answer. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember <laughs> my question anymore. Uh, so let's, uh, let's get into something a little bit here because I didn't, I didn't force fetch Luna. I've, I've, I've never had a dog that had to force fetch. And I, okay. when I, when I say that like to Tom, he's surprised. And I remember him asking me about how did I get Luna to, to deliver to hand and hold stuff and I just, every time she dropped something early, it, it was over. So the, the retrieving was over or I would bring it here. And then she figured out right away, if I pick this up and I bring this to him to hand and do this the way like they, they she picked it up. And then it was like, we're, we keep going or it, I kind of put it in control, like her control. Like if you want to keep retrieving, this has to come to me this way. And I just started building that longer and longer hold with it. And so the the force fetch thing is a weird one for me because I've I've written about it a lot and I've talked to Tom about it a lot. But I I don't know if it's like guaranteed necessary for every dog with a ton of natural hold and carry and strong retrieving desire. Cause I, I didn't have to do it. And I, I can see with this puppy right now, she actually picked up, you know, people always say old dogs train new dogs and they don't like that's not how it's working but when you work a dog like luna around sadie like if if luna would drop something for some reason if i stop paying attention i tell her to go get it or we walk out in the yard and it's like go get it sadie seemed to pick up on that because i didn't teach her to do that and i can tell her 
you know, go get it. And she'll look around, she'll go get her dummy and bring it to me. And they're soaking some of that stuff up. So I don't know, maybe that's horrible advice for people. I don't know. Tom's probably going freaking nuts over that. But the train retrieve. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's kind of the same thing. You know, some people will say you always have to use an e-collar or you always have to do this or you always have to do that. And it's like, well, we, we see dogs out there that they're pretty good and they don't have that thing or they didn't use that thing. Like there's different ways to get to these. And so that the force force fetch one's a weird one for me because it's so common, but I haven't felt like I've needed it. And, you know, like maybe I'll hit it with this dog. I don't know. You know, I asked that question one time in the duck blind with Clay Thompson and I said, okay, tell me, you've been in a lot of blinds with a lot of different um, dog owners. And what is it about the force fetch um, that your dog has compared to what you have seen with other dogs that have not been professionally trained or trained to force fetch? And he said, what starts to happen is they start to drop the bird earlier and earlier and earlier. And I don't know if that's a fault of like the owner will now go and move forward and pick it up. So then the dog thinks, well, I can just drop it here because they're just going to go pick it up. And, and I want to make another comment. I, I just can't stand the word force fetch because I have seen so many owners come through um, after Tom has trained their dog and they say one thing all the time. The dog is wagging its tail. The dog is wagging its tail when it's on the force vestment. The dog is wagging its tail when he's doing force fetching drills. And I'm like, yes. I said, there are ways to do this training that the dog is always happy. And and you don't start off with it on like the force fetching table. It's a good thing. We're just going to put her up there and love her up and throw a couple retrieves. And so... It's, it's a process that I love watching my, my husband do because they're always wagging their tail. Like they understand that they might discipline for not doing something, but right after they do it right, they're like wagging their tails like, oh, look at me, look at me. I did it right. You know, so there is a way and, and, and patience also is important. And if you are doing this for your own dog, the slower, the better, you know, but the dog or dog trainers have a certain pace they have to go because the owners don't want their dog away from home yep. too long. Yep. Um, for me, I'm like, keep them at college. Cause I know once they're done with college, they're going to come back and live with me for the rest of my life. Unlike the human kids for babies will come back to, to me. But, um, so I, I, I love it because my dog's bring the retrieve into me, know to heal and, and, and wait till I say drop. But um, yes. And there are some dogs that definitely naturally do that on their own. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily why I just listen to my husband. Well, I think, I think the, <laughs> the point there is the, the variety. And this, this comes from a lot of trainers is they have to do what's going to work with all dogs. And so they, they have to approach it. Like, this is how I get results out of all dogs. Because sure. they don't know, and they are on a t limited time frame, and that's I think that's the message that doesn't get out there enough, or I, th I think it's hard to like really fully understand if you're an amateur handler and you just got five dogs in your life or six dogs in your life. Like, if you send a dog to Tom or somebody else, you, we have to put a time frame on that. There has to be a 
four week sure. window or eight week window or something that, that people won't accept an open ended. <laughs> I'm just, sure. I'm taking your dog till it's done. They don't yeah. accept that. But mm-hmm. when you own your own dog and you train your own dog, you have that time. And so sure. we say things like, you know, like when you talk about force fetch, you're talking about weeks. Like you're talking about sure. weeks of, of developing this the right way to get that dog to do what you want it to do. But it, it could be explained fairly quickly and sound like it might be something that you just like you're training that dog with a two by four, like it's 1945 and you're going to make that dog retrieve or hold in a day. That's not, that's not how it works. A lot of this stuff is like real time commitment as far as multiple days, multiple weeks. And that, that message is, it's like a little hard to understand for people who haven't gone through it. Like somebody can tell you how to do this pretty easily but the actual implementation of it is days and days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks. It's a different thing. It's a, it's a 10 week process process for, you know, and they start them at eight months of age, but let me tell you something, if they get, if they do all these commands, you know, at an early age and that dog is very well socialized, um, when they get that dog at eight months of age, it's ready to go. So you have bought time. You are ahead of the game and you're giving the trainer way more time to work with the force fetching process because you've taken away, oh, they already know to heal. You know, then you introduce the e-collar with that. So I think there are a lot of things that they can do to get that dog ahead of the game. And, you know, speaking of, we never, and I never, my fault, I didn't ask you about this, but socialization, explain how important that is when you first pick that puppy up and what did you do? when you got that puppy and you brought it home, like to socialize it. Oh man, I take, I've taken that puppy everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere. I mean, we, I'm going to take her, I got to go pick my little girls up here in just a little bit. And they're at a, they're at a basketball camp at the YMCA and I will take that puppy and I will walk her up to the front there. And I've done this, I don't know, dozens of times and there'll be little kids running around and it'll be this dynamic environment and I'll make her sit there. And if people want to pet her, well, they got to wait. And it's just right from eight weeks old, we started doing that and going places where I knew other people were going to be and she was going to encounter new environments and always have strangers walking around and walking her through, you know, some of these, some of these parks by our house have like soccer fields that are just, they're just busy, you know, in the summer in Minnesota, they're just busy and there's all this distraction, all this stuff going on and all these people and just getting her to relax in those situations and go, okay, like, yeah, I'm probably going to, somebody's going to pet me sooner or later, but it's not a crazy big deal for her to be in new situations with lots of people or just strangers, you know? And it, that was, that was something I, I don't think I, I should, I should be very careful about this. Socializing a little puppy has never been very hard for me, maybe because of where I live and the, the time that I have. Mm-hmm. But it's a huge problem for a lot of people. And it's, it you know, it was with the pandemic puppies like crazy. And sure. so it's, you know, finding those situations. I'm lucky I can walk to those situations from my house sure. and put my dog in a lot of different environments in a hurry where there's going to be a lot of strangers. Like I get that that's not always easy. So you just build that into your life and go, I'm going to the hardware store. I'm bringing the puppy or I'm going to pick the girls up at school. I'm going to bring the puppy or, you know, wherever, however you can make that happen. As long as you read it. And there aren't, you know, there isn't a great big dog that's going to rush in there and screw things up or 
it's not the kind of situation where you should walk a puppy into it. You know, you got to have yeah. a little common, common sense, you know. Ex- explain the part. Well, I see a lot of mistakes made where the puppy struggles and then the owners put the puppy down right away. Explain what they need to do differently instead of doing that. What, so what do you mean by that? Well, the pressure on, pressure off where it starts out, where you're putting that puppy in, on their back and your arms and they struggle because they want to get down. A lot of owners just put the dog down right away. So they learn basically, oh, I just have to struggle. I'll get my way. Yeah. So did you do that technique a lot with the girls, with Rachel, with you? Yeah. And it that was that was how I kind of figured out right away she was pretty soft. Because I, okay. I do remember Luna fighting that more and putting that little pressure on her and then waiting for her to relax. Sadie was like, she she goes ragged all fast, even with the girls. <laughs> and so it was never, that, that was really easy. Okay. A uh, really telling thing to do with this puppy. It it showed me a lot, and so I, that that's a good thing to check to see how hard headed your puppy is and how much you're gonna have to work on that. And it's a really simple thing for everybody in the family to do. And it kind of just gives you, I mean, it, that little thing kind of informs so much of my training direction with her and my, you know, kind of my energy and what I'm gonna ask of her because I knew I was dealing with a puppy that was soft, you know. Hmm. But she's got a lot of energy, though. She's got a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soft doesn't mean slow uh, in right. this situation. Right. That's for sure. No. If she's anything like the sky that we have here, she's uh, she likes to sleep in. But once she gets going, oh, boy, look out. A million miles. A m- uh, she she exercises herself by running in circles. Yeah. I'm assuming Sadie's going to do the same. She does the same. She's And it's, it's weird because she seems – and I, I kind of – I think this might be because I'm just like, I'm like everybody else. I'm like, I think this is the best puppy that anybody's ever had. You know, like I'm, a, I'm an idiot in that capacity, but I feel like she has a really good off switch, but she's also, when she goes, like she'll, she'll be sitting there really not paying attention or, you know, you can see her struggling to pay attention and you send her for a retrieve. Yeah. And it's like, she goes from zero to a million in a second. Like she, she looks like a dog that's kind of just like a slug and then she's just gone i mean it's she's she gets after it so i don't know if you've ever had to do that technique where you've actually had to turn your back and go the opposite direction because she didn't want to come to you oh yeah yep yeah on check cord she had a check cord now i'm assuming yep yeah so that that's one one trick that we've used is just to go the opposite direction and they don't want to be left behind um, I'm surprised at how, and I'm jumping around here, but a lot of people don't know that to not exercise your dog after dinner. Now your, your puppy's young and everything like that, but that, that's a huge thing that we, we believe in our house that they're done exercising. They eat dinner. They are done. Yeah. How did you introduce her to other dogs? Not just Luna, but what about other dogs? Have you had that situation happen at all? Uh, about... 7,000 times. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. um, That's that's a tough one. one. That's one of my least favorites. Yeah. People are simple, you know? I mean, you you still have people who are like, you know, just just as an example, uh, you know, when we were talking about like limiting retrieves and stuff the other day, or, you know, we were talking about limiting retrieves and then the other day, which I looked outside my window and Sadie was tied up in the front on her, on her little cord. Yep. And the neighbor girl was throwing a uh, softball for her. 
And so <laughs> I'm like, I have to go outside and be like, Adaya, you can't do this. Like, because, you know, she's like six and she throws this ball. Sadie runs and gets it. And then she runs over there and drops it and chews on it for a while. I'm like, we can't be doing this. And so it's, you know, again, like that stuff, you, you deal with that stuff with puppies. But with, with the dog introduction thing, you know, a lot of it was is reading the dog you know, the other sure. dog, I always, I almost b- always by default pick up that puppy yep, when I see I another dog too. coming and just like, I want to, I want to pay attention to this. And then I do the same thing with other dogs as I do with people as I stand on the leash. Cause you know, they'll sniff each other, but the jumping thing is what gets that reaction. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I that, that puppy's going to jump on every dog's head and you can tell, you know, if there's a seven month old puppy, they're they're probably okay. But you can see sure. older dogs and it's so it's kinda just like a really be be cautious and try to read the other dog. And, you know, you're reading the other owner too. Like do they even have control over their dog? Like do they you know, it, and so I, I hate that. Like I that's one of my least favorite parts is when people strangers with big dogs are like, Oh, don't worry, my dog's nice and I'm like, I don't I don't know. Well, I know I've heard that before too, but I mean, there's, you're, you may not never see them again. So sometimes the introduction is not necessarily, you know, they're going to be around other dogs eventually, but maybe when they're not as vulnerable a state, you know, and you don't want them to get, um, eaten alive for lack of a better word, but you want to make sure that that's done properly. And if it doesn't need to be done, then you don't need to be done. But, and the girls are doing well with Sadie with their training and stuff like that. Um, you know, Jojo is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got, that's hard, you know, not, they don't all have the same interests, but sounds like Jojo's Jojo's going to become the the dog trainer of the house. She's very, you know, it is a weird thing. So we're, we're, we're coaching softball with the girls right now. And some of those little girls are so coachable. Like you, you tell them something, you know, they're, they're eight, nine years old. So they, they're, sure. they're young, but they're, it's not like they don't comprehend. And some of them are so coachable and you're like, honey, you gotta, you know, you're chopping with the bat. You got to swing level. Here's how you do it. And they, they follow your instructions or, you know, and, and then some of them, it's like that eight week old puppy where you're, you, you're saying stuff and you know, nothing's sticking. Sure. You know, and I have one of each. I could, Josephine's really coachable. Like, if you say, (laughs) honey, don't yell at her for having something in her mouth, I watch her do this all the time where she'll see, you know, Sadie picked up a book that they had or something, is carrying it around. And Joe will go over there and make a big deal out of it, make her happy. And then she'll swap it out for, you know, like a Kong or something that she should Mm -hmm. be chewing on. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's perfect. And then my other daughter is like, she is so hard to get through. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> she, it's like, I, sometimes I'm like, are you trying, like, are, are you trying to make me mad? Are you trying to make this dog worse? Like, is this, like, is there an intention here? And it's not, she's just a little lunatic and she's just not, not ready for it yet. No, no. I mean, that's just like dogs are all different and you just got to work with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. You would swear if you met both of them, well, and you, you guys have, but you haven't spent as much time with the other one. You'd be like, maybe this one has a different dad or a different mom. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe this is a different bloodline here. Cause, uh, they're pretty different. 
Well, I'm excited to see what Sadie's future is going to be because I, I can't wait to see when she's an adult to see if she's like the skybird that we know and love and train with. And and it, it would be a blast to have you guys out here and, and just compare the two. Um, and I want to see her hunt too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all the progress she's going to make. Yeah, I think I think she's going to be a lot of fun. But they're you know they're all fun. I but I think I think this one, she's going to be pretty neat to watch. I I think she's going to be. I I don't think there's going to be any buyer's remorse on our end. I think we're going to be pretty happy with her. No, I'm ex- I'm excited. I was excited just to give turn that puppy over to you. I was I was hoping that it was going to be everything that you wanted. I felt a little pressure on that, although. <laughs> Although I did know the type of dog you wanted, being that, you know, you wanted the sky, a sky dog, it was easy for me to find that type of dog. But, yeah, I felt a little pressure on this one, Tony. Of course, I, I show all the pedigrees to my husband and make sure it's the right fit for the owner. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm the, you know, the complete expert on this because obviously he's been doing this for 45-plus years. So I always he's always my go-to like, okay, what do you think? What do you think? But he just likes it when I do the research. So I was really excited to find that Sadie puppy for you. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's working out well. And I think it's been interesting with you guys, you know, cause with Luna, I I don't really think you were involved in that. Um, Nope. Yeah. And this one you were, and I think the, you know, one of the things we get asked about constantly is like, how do I find a puppy? How do I research a puppy? How do I go through this process? And obviously it's a huge benefit to have, you know, the Dawkins looking for your dog. But I think what, what really makes that process and, and you can tell me this cause you actually do it, but that what makes that process easier is if like you're, you just lay it all out on the table. Like, this is what I want. This is what I do. This is what I like. This is the, the, the amount of time I want to put in, this is my skill level, you sure. know, not, not just what do I want to get out of a dog and what color do I want? Like, what, do, what do I want to put in and where do I want to take this dog and what are the potential things I'm going to do? And I think people, a lot of times don't really, I, I think they narrow that down a little too much and they're like, okay, I want this and I want this and don't really look at that other side of it. Like what, what do I, what am I bringing to the table? Like, well, I- we definitely first focus on the pedigree. I focus on um, the health part of the pedigree, you know, the breeder and all the certifications that they do. Because if they can test for every single disease out there, I want them to do that because you just have a better chance of not seeing that in future pups or in the puppy that you're going to buy. So that's the first thing. But then then we start to narrow down, you know, size is a big deal. They want it smaller, smaller lab size nowadays. Um And, uh, yeah, the personality working with the breeder is huge because they can tell you the personality of the mom and the dad in the house on the hunting field. And I think that's huge because I, we, for the most part our you know, our customers, 95% of them are house dogs. So are ours are mine are on my bed on my side of the bed. Let, let me just make that clear. (laughs) Um, (laughs) my dog slept with me before Tom and that was the rule that had to be on my side of the bed. Um, but working with the breeder and finding out their personality and, and uh, we want them to turn it on in the field, turn it off in the house. We don't want them climbing the walls. And a lot of people say, well, I don't want that field champion, the national field champion. I don't want all those titles. Uh, you do, because if you're only going to be hunting two, three, four times a year, 
you want that dog to be so talented that that he the dog will look at you like you just made that mistake, but I got you covered. I'll go get the bird, you know. So yep. you want that dog almost better than what what you're capable of doing. That that talent. It's like if you're a coach, you want the Michael Jordan type natural gifted talent so that it's easy to train. And they just innately know what to do. You know, like Tom's first lab, he's like, it was success. She was successful in spite of Tom. She just knew what to do more so than what he did. And he'll attest to that this day. But it, it, I think it's important to have that talent. If they have those titles, that means they were very trainable and they competed at a very high level and they were successful at that high level. So for me, that's what I want to work with, even though I might not be the professional dog trainer. Yeah, I have one to work with, but that's what I always tell people. And, and there's too much knowledge out there for people to not do their research and talk to people, go to game fair, find out, educate themselves. There's so much out there than when I first got my dog because I did it all wrong when I had Samantha back in 2001. Like it was all done wrong. I did it all wrong. <laughs> the potty training, everything. But, you know, Tom got her at five years of age and and uh, he trained my dog and I tried to help him with golf, but he didn't practice. So he claims my dog was the best trained dog in the world and his golf game never got better. But we know the truth. He didn't do the drills like I did with my puppies. So I will be listening to him on my future He's, puppies, he's such sure. a slacker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tina, I got to wrap this up. I got to get my daughters. Uh, Thank you so much. It's always so much fun to chat with you. Um, you, you and Tom are two of my favorite people. I'm so, I'm so glad that we're friends, and I, I just, I really appreciate everything you guys have done. Yeah, too. And look forward to the future with Sadie and working with your girls and having you guys out here hunting. So thanks for including me in on the podcast again. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Tina. That's it for this episode of Sporting Dog Talk. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel. And of course, if you liked what you heard on this episode, please, please, please subscribe. That helps us out so much when we get to see the support from our audience. And lastly, thanks for listening.